All right. Hello and welcome back, everybody. We are here with a new word and a new month, just like we always are. We are so reliable. I love that about us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to talk about this one this month. Um, This one is this. You might think this one's just for nerds, but it's really not. It's for everybody. We're going to talk about why this is a super, super important thing for kids and adults alike. Um, But before we get into our word this month, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Leslie Bolser. I'm the curriculum director for um, Core Essential Values, which is a curriculum and resource company that works primarily with schools from pre-K through high school, also with communities and parents on um, how we can use these words that we teach in schools as a part of character education or social emotional learning, however you want to characterize it. We use these words to teach kids how to treat others right and make smart decisions and maximize their potential. And we just encourage families and communities to help kids and teachers do that. And I'm here with my friend, Dr. Beth Trammell. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Uh, Yes. So I'm a psychologist and I am also an associate professor of psychology at Indiana University East, where I'm the director of the master's in mental health counseling program. And I focus on behavioral and communication strategies to make words matter for good. Uh, I really try to help any adult or frankly, teenagers or young kids just really focus on being intentional with the words that we use and how they impact our relationships. Yeah, that's amazing. That's why we get along. Yeah, it's exactly why. Yeah. So let's talk about this word for this month. It's January, start of a new year. And what do we do when we have new things? We learn new things. So this month we're talking about knowledge, which is learning something new so you can be better at whatever you do. And I think this one is, I'm glad we're starting off the year with this. People make resolutions and and um, you know, are looking toward the new, I think at the beginning of the year. So this is a perfect word to be focusing on with our kids and with ourselves. And um, I'd love to just start right out with our smallest friends, our, with our pre-K friends. How do we encourage knowledge or how do we recognize learning something new in a little body and mind that's learning new things at every moment of every day? Yeah. So I love this word um, for all the same reasons, but um, I also just am really biased toward this word because my personality is actually just geared towards curiosity. Uh, And I will share probably some annoying stories that my mom, if she's listening, hi mom, but um, (laughs) she, she's like, yeah, she was annoying as all get out when she was younger because I asked so many questions. I had so many things that I wanted to learn about. And, you know, it was probably more elementary age, but I remember even from a young age, just being so curious about the, the world. And so as a parent now, I'm realizing that curiosity is our way to gain new knowledge when we're little right? And kids are just naturally curious when they're little, especially they still are naturally curious when they get older, they just stifle it more. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Um, So our job as parents is to let them be curious just naturally, our little ones, we just have to let them be curious. But Leslie, curiosity in a four-year-old, it's messy, like like literally messy. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, remembering back to when my kids were little and curious, it usually involved like mud (laughs) or water or sand or some sort of natural, you know, object, or it involved um, asking me a lot of questions or wanting to do something when I needed to do something else or when we were ready to go somewhere or at a completely inconvenient time for me. Totally. 
Yeah, totally. And I am a huge proponent of nature preschools. Um, we have lots and lots of evidence that we are really doing a disservice to our little ones because we're really forcing them into academics. And so if you're a parent and you're listening and you have a, a, a preschooler and you're searching for preschools, please don't focus on whether they have strong academic uh, curriculum. While that's okay, focus on play focus on curiosity. And part of what really sold me um, is I have a seven-year-old. He just turned seven yesterday, actually. Um, and he was in two preschools because we just apparently had to do all the extra things. Um, <laughs> he's my fourth kid. I don't know why we did so much extra with the fourth one. But um, so we had him in kind of a traditional uh, preschool. And then he was at a nature preschool two days a week. And the by week two, at home, I was seeing so many differences in him in terms of his curiosity because they were just outside all the time. Yeah. And they were like in the woods, just like playing with sticks and mud, just like you're saying. Um, and he would come home and he would tinker with things and he would like try to build something and it would fall over and he would try again. Right. It's like yeah. there were hardly ever moments that I could think about that when he was in the traditional school, whereas this, you know, this freedom mm, to yeah. be in the mud, right? And yeah. and whether you have a nature preschool near you or you don't, I think my encouragement for us as parents is to let them be in the mud, let them be in the glitter, let them be in the paint or the Play-Doh. And if it makes a mess, have them clean up. And, and you kind of help them within reason, right? But we have to let them be curious, even if it is messy or inconvenient. So let's transition that into our elementary age students. And we think about their level of knowledge and curiosity. You know, I think there's a, some point in there where there's a, something happens, right? Between that just natural curiosity, making a mess, tinkering, all those words you were using, where something different happens with them and it becomes less about maybe what their hands and feet are doing and more about what's happening in their mind and what they're thinking. So how do we transition from that, you know, sticks and mud to more cognitive thought with knowledge in our elementary students? Yeah. Uh, well, I would still encourage sticks and mud, frankly. Um, but <laughs> if you're not a sticks and mud kind of person, uh, that's okay. But I think for our elementary age kids, it's a couple of things. One, it's modeling that curiosity. So instead of answering every question they have, maybe sometimes pose a question back to them. Well, why do you suppose that it's happening that way? Why do you suppose? What do you think is going on, right? So if we can, we can model curiosity, we can model gaining new knowledge by kind of pushing back a question to our kids. Now, that's not going to work every time. Sometimes they really do just want the answer. Yeah. The other part of elementary age kids is that their brain development is very one centered focus, like self focus. So it's about me. Mm -hmm. How does that impact me? And if it doesn't impact me, I'm not sure that I really care all that much. And the other thing about their brain is that they're very concrete. They're very black and white. And so I think some of the questions they have 
may feel complicated and we're not sure how to answer them. I think sometimes we get into a sticky place as parents because we're like, well, when you're older, I'll explain that to you. Or here's my explanation. And they have more questions. And then you're sort of like annoyed that they have more questions because their brain is not like wrapping their head around it. So I think it's having patience and realizing they may not fully grasp everything that we're trying to teach them right now, but then also realizing that they really need us to model those curiosity kinds of questions as well. Yeah, that's that's really great because, you know, <laughs> the sticks and mud and glitter are messy, but so are the questions mm. our older kids start to ask us, right? Mm-hmm. More, more and more complicated and more difficult to answer. Maybe some of our annoyance, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but maybe some of our annoyances that we have with their questioning is our own insecurity about what the right answer is or if it's okay to say this, or if they're old enough to hear it kind of thing, you know, maybe, maybe for some of us that comes into play when we're dealing with gaining knowledge, but in some complicated questions. Yeah. Especially those questions that maybe are more value-based, mm, yeah. right? So like, why do some parents, well, we'll come back to technology and I don't know, this is the first thing that came to my mind. It may not make me popular today, but my kid's eight and he wants a cell phone. Well, so and so has a cell phone. How come he can't? How come he gets to have a phone and I don't? That's a that's, messy answer, right? That's a messy answer. You know, like some of those value based things are are messy, and so I tend to, I tend personally, and also to encourage people that I work with to provide both sides of the story, right? So, well, some people believe that phones are okay for eight year olds. And other people say it is not okay to have a phone because it hurts your brain and turns your brain to mush and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then come back to my parenting philosophy. So in our family, you don't get a phone until you're in eighth grade or whatever your parenting philosophy is or whatever your family value is. So it's fair to teach them both sides of, of the coin and then say, this is where we land. And they may say, well, why do we land there? And that's a fair question. They're not being jerks. They really are trying to figure it out. You know, they really are. Yeah, no, that's great. And I mean, I I think that fits perfectly with the definition of learning something new so you can be better at whatever you do. When you present both sides of a a values-based decision or argument or however you want to phrase that, you are giving them the tools to learn something new. And you're also laying out how you make decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So that when it's their turn to make a decision, they can say, okay, I see some people think and do this. I see others think and do this. Where are my values? Which way am I going to go? Or how far in the middle or whatever it may be? I think that's a great way to learn something new. And I think it leads right to what we're going to talk about with teenagers, right? That most of their questions, most of their ways of learning things are messy, yeah, And they okay. make a lot of mistakes because they have to. They're pushing boundaries much further than our yeah. elementary age kids are. And so we have to be ready to have the, well, here's one side of things. Here's another side of things. And here's where I land. Mm-hmm. And if our kids are older, especially, right? So maybe we have listeners who are who have an 18 or 19 year old and they're coming back from college or they're heading off back to college here in January after the break. And you had some struggles over the the winter break because you had different ideas yeah. about yeah. about certain 
things that they've learned. That's okay. For sure. For sure. And I, that I want to talk about two things when we talk about teenagers. And the first one is what you're starting to talk about here, which is, you know, the, the, how messy it does get right as they get Mm -hmm. older and and how conversations um, and how they, whether we like it or not, they make a lot of decisions on their own high school, older, all of that. They make a lot of decisions throughout the day on their own without consulting us. So making sure that they do have that understanding of, of where we would land before they get there and making those decisions is, is super, super important. But the other side of that is that, you know, teenagers are biologically wired to take risks. Mm-hmm. And so no, that is a hard thing to understand as a parent and to accept as a parent. Um, and talk to me a little bit about risky behaviors and students gaining knowledge at the adolescent teenage years. Ooh, this one is really hard because yeah. I'm going to say some things that, whoo, there's going to be a listener or two that's like, you don't know my kid. <laughs> okay. So I have spent, you know, almost 20 years of my career working exclusively with kids and families, um, doing a lot of parenting, parenting research. And the truth is our, our teens are going to make mistakes. And our job as parents is to try to protect them from making a life altering mistake. Mm. Sometimes that can be hard, right? Because they are going to toe that line pretty closely. And so our job is to plant seeds over and over and over again about what are those lines that may have life altering consequences. Yeah. Not all of which are bad necessarily. It's just, it will change your life. If you get a felony, it will change your life. If you or are in a relationship where somebody ends up pregnant. Right. You uh, try a an illicit drug. Right. It may be life altering. So I think it's realizing that as parents, we have to let them have some independence and some freedom in those situations. And so for me, when I'm talking to, to parents of teenagers, I'm saying things like focus on specific scenarios and and teaching them the decision-making skills. Hmm. So tell them up front, your friends are going to want you to try vaping. Right. Your friends are going to want you to get in the car with someone who is driving too fast and you know that. Like your friends are going to pressure you into that. So how can you be prepared to stay strong? What is the thing you're going to say? Practice specifically. What are you going to say? Because when your teen gets in that situation and they're like, oh, I really am not sure if I should, what are teenagers going to do? Right. They're going to push, push, push. That's just what they do. So in preparing our kiddos, our teenagers, especially for those moments, it is kind of talking through those really specific things and then giving them a way to, to get out of it. Yeah. Because- it can be really challenging to go against your peers in those kind of heat of the moment situations. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And that goes back to what we were saying before with modeling that decision-making mm-hmm. of one side and the other side yep. and then finding 
in your values where you land. Yep. So it's really important that at the preschool and elementary level, those habits are being established um, with parents and kids. All right, one last question. I'm asking this kind of in terms of high schoolers, but I really think depending on the kid and the family, this could start much younger. This could be a really different situation. But um, I have two daughters who, who both really approach learning very, very differently. Um, and I've noticed while my kids have been in high school that there seems to be our system is set up with a lot of um, emphasis placed maybe on achievement or on outcomes and less emphasis placed on the actual gaining of knowledge the actual learning of the information and absorbing and applying the information now i'm generalizing that's not always the case yeah not always but i'm generalizing that i've seen some kids say things like oh it, it doesn't matter if I know it. I just have to be ready for the exam or I just have to have the project done. Don't, don't tell me the whole answer. Just tell me this one specific thing so I can write it on the paper and be done with it, right? So I think in some ways it circles back to what you were talking about with the preschoolers and refinding that curiosity. How do we encourage our older students to really wanna learn and gain new knowledge as opposed to focusing on completion or a grade or a, a class rank, for example? Well, I think, oof, and I'm saying all the unpopular things today. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I find in most of the teenagers that I know that I've worked with that they don't have time for that. Mm. They like physically yeah. don't have the space to do that. And, and not because they don't actually have the time or the space, but because they're filling their time and their space with all the other things. So having a shortcut seems like a better approach. So, yeah. you know, my kids are TikToking and they're scrolling on their phones and they could be doing so many other things with their life, <laughs> you know? So I think between practices and recitals and, you know, video gaming and TikToking and social uh, in other ways, we don't, we don't encourage or require them hmm. to make the space to build new knowledge. And so I think it starts with having sacred time that is non-screen time. Yeah. And then fighting through the quote boredom that they will complain about. And so yeah. how can you encourage them to be curious? What kind of hobby might they be able to pick up? What um, ways are they kind of naturally curious toward, right? Like maybe there are certain activities that they just are kind of naturally gravitating toward, or they used to be interested in forcing them to be required which, you know, even as I'm saying it out loud, it's like, well, then it's still just like, if we're forcing them, they're still not like, oh, I'm learning knowledge for the sake of learning knowledge. But at least we're kind of pushing them into that place of potentially gaining yeah. knowledge. No, I, I'm totally, I'm totally with what you're saying, because I think sometimes e even as an adult, I know that if I want certain things to happen, I have to create the space for that, right? So yeah. is it, you have to force the space 
but then within the space, you can allow for the creativity and the curiosity to happen. So I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. And it's really interesting to hear you talk about this with high schoolers or older kids and remember what you just said 10 minutes ago about preschoolers, which is that we as adults have to get them away from technology, put them in an environment that allows them to have quiet and space and curiosity. Um, and then we have to be willing as adults to at a preschool side or a younger kid side, deal with the messiness, physical messiness, space messiness. And at the older kids side, deal with the messiness of their, you know, their fear probably is what it is. Their fear of that quiet time, that alone time, that curiosity time, um, which maybe wouldn't be as physically messy, but it'll be verbally messy. And, you know, one thing that I was thinking about earlier as we were talking I am a person who loves to learn, but I'm not sure I'm not sure my kids would know that. Mm, yeah. Because my love of learning usually happens at like in my work life or, you know, when I'm not necessarily with them. And so I've been really pushing to be intentional about modeling curiosity. And that means maybe asking you know, asking your kid, asking your teenager, does it seem like mommy always wants to be right? Does it seem like mommy always has to be right? Because if I'm always having to be right, then I'm losing curiosity. Yeah, that's great. That's right. That's a tough pill to swallow. I'll tell you right now, that's a tough pill to swallow because I don't, I don't like to be right, Leslie. Let's just be honest. <laughs> hey, don't we all? Don't we? <laughs> That's great. Okay. So we're going to end on that. I think that's, that's a really, that's a good thing to think about. So we're going to end on that. Well, I really appreciate your time, Dr. Beth. Thank you so much for joining us again this month to talk about these things. If folks want to know more about you and your work, how might they find you? Yeah. So um, my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com and I'm mostly on Facebook, uh, MWM with kids. Would love to have you follow along. And I have two podcasts myself, one called Kids These Days, Need Us to Make Words Matter for Good. And the other is called Things You'll Learn in Therapy. So you can hop on over and listen to those episodes if you want to learn more about anything else that I talk about. Oh, that's awesome. And if you want to know more about Core Essentials, we're online. Uh, our website is coreessentials.org. And uh, you can find us on social media at CE Values. Hey, will you come join us again next month? Teach me. Can't wait. Time. It's going to be great. Whatever I do. February. <laughs> February. Awesome. All right. See you then. All right. See ya.